Curiosity is the cure to all frustration. It really is that simple, but it's training yourself to move into a place of curiosity. That's where mindfulness is so powerful because even if you go to frustration, it's like, oh, okay, I caught it. Now, what can I be curious about? Hey there, and welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur, investor, and business coach for ambitious women who are boldly taking their business to the next level. And I believe that building a successful business isn't about working 24-7 just to merely meet a revenue goal. What it does take is a unique blend of dedication to purpose, courageous action, and frequently sheer will to overcome the odds that lead to meaningful impact and experiencing a life well lived. In each episode, you'll get to know the women and men who are unafraid to put it all on the line as they share the stories of success and failure that have made them incredible leaders and the magic they gift the world with. As you're listening, and I hope finding value, don't forget to share the Tribe of Leaders podcast with all of your other entrepreneurial friends and to follow us wherever you're listening to this podcast. Hey, everybody. Welcome to the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am your host, Emmy Kirshner, and today's guest's life mission is to create spaces where voices are heard, stories are released, and purpose is ignited, which I love and I think is so beautiful. Mary Beth Highland, author of Permission to Be Human, The Conscious Leader's Guide to Creating a Values-Driven Culture, knows that when people are connected through shared values, there's no limit to what they can achieve. Through retreats, workshops, and coaching, she's known for her ability to gracefully transform disconnected leaders and their teams into a unified force for positive change. As a certified mediator, mindfulness instructor, and core values expert, Mary Beth engages people all over the world to eliminate possibility and ignite alignment by knowing, owning, and living their values every day. Mary Beth, I am so excited to talk to you. Oh, I'm so excited to be here. Yeah, everything that you stand for is so important to me. And I'll share with you that I think it was like four or five years ago, I made my kids and my older son's girlfriend at the time sit down one Sunday afternoon and we all did our core values and then we chose family core values. Mm-hmm. And we spent like five hours with, and my kids were, my oldest was a senior in high school. So my younger guy would have been a sophomore and really like diving into the meaning of each word and how it was going to affect us for the year. And it was one of the most fun things that we've done. And I'm really curious to hear first all about your background and what has led you to this path, but share with me, what is it about core values and mission and purpose that lights you up? Well, first of all, I think that is just so cool that you chose to do that with your family because how rare is that? You know, what a gift is that? I actually started doing that with my family towards the beginning of the pandemic. I have a retreat called Life Lens, which is about your individual values. We have one called Love Lens, which is for couples to Um. find out their shared values and do a similar types of exercise you described. And then I started to launch Legacy Lens, which was exactly what you're talking about, which is this idea of how amazing it can be when we actually take the time to uncover 
the core values that connect us, right? There certainly are some that push us away from each other in our units Mm -hmm. and our family units, but I think it's just so amazing that you took the initiative to do that and experience that with your, with your family. So boy, before I say anything else, I just want to say, man, that's so cool. I love that. I love that. I hope that that becomes normal. I hope that becomes as normal as going to the beach or something like that with your family because. Right. Also, I love, so those would be my two favorite things. Yeah. Well, of course they are. Right. Of course they are. So I, I got into this work into to values and and purpose work and alignment and mindfulness and all that as a result of not having it. I'm pretty sure that's probably a theme you hear from a lot of folks here and perhaps even yourself, right? How do we ultimately step into the work that we're doing, at least in the work that I do, it's very much a matter of suffering from all of these experiences for a very, very long time prior to recognizing that there was a better way, right? There was another way to do this life thing that didn't have to be constantly feeling like you weren't enough or like um, you were trying to please other people and what they wanted from you versus knowing what you actually wanted for yourself and just feeling this sense of achievement from the societal norm checkboxes of like winning awards, getting big Mm -hmm. promotions, having the title, you know, those kinds of things and just feeling so drained and not well in not feeling the rewards of that inside that were so very heavily praised on the outside. And so on a personal sort of uh, note to that story is that I grew up really thinking I wasn't good enough. I was, I was raised in a household that was a very toxic environment and I was really told that my sensitivities of having really high emotional intelligence was something that was wrong with me. It was something that was bad. I was too sensitive. Mm -hmm. I was overly emotional. All of those labels that make you think it's wrong about you. But ultimately, it was a superpower that I was building to learn how to survive these that kind of environment at home and learn how to make choices where I would be not harmed or maybe not harmed as much based on the way I behaved. And so as I grew up and I grew older into my work, I found that the thing, no matter what I was doing, the thing that always worked out was relationship building with people just like was easy. I always had, it was a non-issue to find a connection and feel a sense of deep meaning in that connection. Obviously not with every single person, but most of the time it's just was a natural experience. And it wasn't until I was a fundraiser that I found out that that was a skill. (laughs) (laughs) Right? I always thought it was a burden prior to that because it was labeled as what was wrong with me. And so, and, and I've set myself up in situations a lot where I just didn't understand why I couldn't get the same kind of reciprocity from others emotionally, but, or even just from a friendships, you know, from a level of, well, why do I care so much about this? And you don't, right. Those kinds of things, which eventually I I was able to go through the process of healing and, and being in toxic work environments and, and just kind of replaying a lot of that stuff that was happening at home in the workplace, which a lot of us are doing. And we don't realize because we don't take the time to pause and look at the patterns that are just Mm -hmm. playing themselves out over and over again, which ultimately led to a really extreme work addiction. And I was working in excessive amount to the point where I wasn't sleeping. I mean, it was very rare that I would sleep through the night. And typically it was about two, 3 AM. I'd wake up in the morning and then I'd work for two or three hours and then I'd fall asleep on the couch and then I'd wake up and keep working. And it was just a seven day a week kind of non
nonsense that was just totally connected to that story of feeling like I wasn't good enough and feeling like that was what I had to do in order to be good enough, in order to be successful, in order to be worthy of all of those societal norm awards and things that I was getting, but still feeling this sense of like, well, it's never going to be enough, right? It's never going to be enough. Yeah. And that's what ultimately led me to mindfulness. It's what ultimately led me to psychotherapy that was rooted in mindfulness practices, which helped me to learn that there is a big difference between success on the outside and success on the inside and how difficult but simple it is to make new choices to Mm -hmm. how you can take care of yourself in those spiraling moments, especially to deal with stress and anxiety. And so it really, like all the work I do now with values came from like all this inner work I was doing in my own life of trying to understand like, why has this always been this way for me? Oh, well, that's because I have a core value of connection, right? I have a core value of true friendship. I have a core value of authenticity Mm -hmm. and I learned, well, other people may not have those and that's not something that's wrong with them or right with me or wrong with me and right with them, but rather just a part of uncovering who we are in our core and starting to see how can we really activate ourselves and others by being in alignment with those pieces of ourselves with purpose and intention. So that was a very long answer to your (laughs) question. Several questions. Do you find... And I'm asking because I see this on a regular basis that people don't, the things that come naturally to you. So building relationships and connection for you isn't valued in general because it comes easy, like toxic relationship and being told that wasn't important. I think that just makes it exponentially worse. It's true. Yeah. Because it's, at least for me, I always saw it as the problem. I was the problem versus the solution, the heart, the love, the south, Mm -hmm. the balm, right? All the things that I can now own it with power and empowerment, because literally that's what people pay me for now. Like that's literally my job is to come in and ignite these experiences where people feel that energy and they can see that possibility in themselves too. And so it's funny, that question of like, do people value this? If you would have asked me this two years ago, it would have been a very different answer. But as a result of everything that's happened with the pandemic, there is just a different level of understanding of like, this is, yes, we call them soft skills, but they're actually power skills. And we need these to be humans and function properly. And, um, and so it's been a really big shift. And I can't tell you how many times when I first started my business and I was helping teens uncover their values and do culture work and engagement and all this. And I would, I would come home crying because people made me feel like, I was so, such an astronaut, you know, coming from another planet, like out, out in the galaxies of, you know, woo woo stuff. And I was like, this isn't even that. Well, first of all, there's nothing wrong with woo woo. But second of all, us talking about the things we care about and that ignite us and give us a sense of purpose, that's fluffy to you. Like, cause to me, that's pretty powerful and it doesn't get much more powerful than that. And so I definitely right. have my hard knocks in the beginning of starting my business. I'm now moving into year seven and after writing a book, it changes things a lot. I'm shocked by how much people don't question you as much. Right. And they just accept that what you have to say comes from a place of authority, but it, it was a lot, it was a lot of time of just like, well, help me understand the ROI of people liking each other or getting along. And it, and it's so it, I saw something this the other day was a quote that Tony 
Hesh from Zappos said, and it was like, what's the ROI of a hug from your mom on a day that you really need it? Like that, that side of it was very frustrating for me. And now we're at where I am today. I think it's a combination of just attracting people who are already in this space and already interested and curious, not convincing people, right? They're just coming naturally, but also just the realization that what do we have if we don't have this in our lives? What is it really for? Yeah. Yeah. And I think, I hope, fingers crossed that we're slowly coming out of the hustle and grind mentality. I know there's a few people who love like the hustle and, and we can choose a different word for the, for me, at least it's more positive and the, like, let's get a bunch of stuff done. And yeah. like that excitement. I can, I'm good with that. I'm on board with that, but the, you've got to work and it's got to be hard and it has to feel like you're pushing through something that you're not supposed to push. I hope we're, we're moving away from, because I think that some of that mentality contributes to not appreciating other people. Totally. It turns us into machines. It's like treating people as interchangeable widgets versus individual souls that have a purpose and meaning and reason for having connection in this, in this world versus, and, and, and that's shifting, right? Because of this great awakening or great resignation, whatever perspective you want to look at it from. But there's a big shift in, in that understanding of like, you're not going to be able to turn people out the way that you used to and took it for granted. Yeah. I saw, I was reading actually something about the great resignation today, I think in the New York times, but the author who wrote the article was talking about blog or forum. That's like Momzonian, and it's all these former employees, mostly women from Amazon who have been really frustrated and how they're kind of banding together and not to create issue, but to how do we make change? How does it be a positive place so that there can be these shifts because for me at least I mean when we did that with my kids and I mean some of it's a function of me parenting a little bit differently but I never had a huge amount of dissension with the kids even as teenagers we had unity and that's what I've seen with the organizations who have identified and implemented core values and live by their values is that everybody then can either buy into that and get on board with it and it creates more fluidity and joy and happiness and they feel like they're moving through everything together good times and the bad but with one you know more singular focus so is that what you see i mean tell me your sample size is way larger than mine you just set me up so beautifully for how important this work is because it's you obviously experience it you've seen it you know it you literally know it in your own family unit and what a gift that is and and so the key word that you said was live right there's a big difference between having values and living your values. And Brene Brown's research shows that less than 10% of companies with stated values actually embody them. Mm-hmm. And so there is a big difference. I, I can't tell you how many times. So I give a lot of keynote addresses and I'll, in audiences, I'll say, raise your hand if your company has core values. And then I'll say, keep your hand raised if you know what they are without looking. So at least 50 to 75% of the hands go down. And then the next is keep your hand raised if you can tell me a story of something that happened this week that was an expression of your values at your at your work. And maybe one, maybe right. one. <clears throat> and so it's super powerful to notice this 
huge opportunity, this huge opportunity of bringing people together because as human beings, we are all walking, talking, living, loving sets of values. And so are our companies, right? Because we're made up of humans that have all of those values that are living inside of us, but just often not identified or expressed. Mm -hmm. And what's incredibly powerful, what I have the honor of seeing every day in my work is that when you can uncover the core values of your team, right? So like your people, and then you can overlay, put it through a filter of, okay, so now what does that mean for our work? Right. Mm -hmm. And then what are the, what are the ones that are rising to the top that are already intrinsic motivators of our people? So we're not saying you need to be motivated by innovation because we said so, but we're saying, what are you motivated by? Right. Values are all about inner motivation versus something outside of you. So you can't really tell people what's going to inner motivate them on the inside. (laughs) That's, that's something that needs to be uncovered. And when that happens and when companies actually go through the process of integrating their values into their job descriptions, their interview processes, their onboarding, their one-on-one coaching, their staff meetings, their budgets, the way that they make decisions around people who are going to get promoted, the way that people are investing in their time, how they're allocating their time throughout the day. There's so many areas that core values are always living. You just don't realize it until you pause and look at it. And that's really the whole reason why I wrote my book was to give people a step-by-step guide on how to do exactly that. And that's actually been some of the most rewarding feedback I've gotten from people because they'll say, you know, so many people, you read a book and then it's like, okay, now I got to go figure something else out. And <laughs> what, like now it's like, now what do I do? Right. And this is literally like, here's how you do it in meetings. Here's how you do it in one-on-one coaching sessions. Here's how you do it in the onboarding process. Here's mm-hmm. literally a survey that you can use with your folks. And really that that's because I just, I want this to be accessible for people because it's kind of like with the beginning of the conversation, it's not rocket science in that it's a very natural and organic kind of conversation, but it is difficult. It is difficult from a place of most people aren't thinking this way. This is a whole other way of being and thinking. And so it's really asking people to activate high levels of power skills and emotional intelligence and mindfulness in a way that potentially they never have before, because most of us as humans are just kind of going through the motions versus intentionally choosing how we're going to show up and behave. Yeah, absolutely. With the book, which is Permission to be Human, what do people, if you give like a short synopsis or, or maybe a couple of pointers for those of us who are like, well, I am human. So what do I have to do differently? Like, where do I need to give myself permission? Because I can think of a bunch, but I could be off. So. Oh my gosh. There's so, there's so many areas of, and the reason, and there's, there's several reasons why it's called permission to be human. But one of the reasons for that name is specifically because when you're doing values work, it's not like insert X and you get Y, right? It's much more fluid. It's a living experience. It's something that is going to evolve. It's not going to work out perfectly because you pulled people in a room and you asked them a question and you just like want to get your answer. Right. And so throughout the whole book, it actually has like permission to be human. And it's a pause to say, while it would be awesome for everybody to be on board with this right away, here's what's likely going to happen, right? A lot of people will be upset by this, right? Or confused as to why you're even having these conversations. And, and so it's so important 
particularly for folks who consider themselves underdogs in the workplace for caring about this kind of work. The reason that I kept having these permission to be human spots is that I needed to hear that from someone else because I never had somebody else telling me if it's not done like easily the first time, then keep going because nobody else was championing these things in the workplaces where I was. I was so alone right. in that process and feeling like, oh, here I go being a problem again because I want people to feel good here. You know, like that whole story I carried with me from my childhood of just wanting people to be well and connected and happy in ways that you could easily be a part of creating. So it's very important, I think, particularly for us to remember that we have permission to be human too, because we will so often and lovingly give it to others, particularly our friends, our loved ones, right? They're having a bad day and it's like, it's okay. You know, Emmy just needs a little more time today. It's no big deal. But will we do that for ourselves? Right. No. (laughs) Right. 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 And so I actually wrote a permission to be human pledge, which is in the introduction of the book, which was really about giving yourself this true permission by statements like, I promise to meet myself where I am, not where I want to be. Now, I promise to protect my energy by igniting healthy boundaries. I promise to ignite compassion and suspend judgment. These kinds of things that we, again, often be willing to do for others, but very unwilling to do for ourselves. And so we have to, whenever values work is at play, it always starts within yourself first. Mm-hmm. So to be able to facilitate the work, to be able to have a whole bunch of people get on board, you got to start by looking in the mirror. And that doesn't mean you have to be an expert on day one, but it means you have to be willing to be curious about that and go on the journey and keep going on the journey, especially when it gets hard Yeah, understanding like, okay, I, I can choose to give myself permission to be human here because this is a long journey and it's not easy. No. And I think it's great to want everybody to get on board with values or anything else. But if you are not doing it and showing it and leading by example, then nobody, as far as I'm concerned, nobody has any reason to to change or shift or buy into whatever it is that you want, whether it's core values or anything else. Right. Whatever behavior. So fascinating. The hip hypocritical hypocrisy that happens right in places where an executive can go in and say, everybody needs to live by these values. And then two seconds later, you see them violating the values. Yeah. Like some of the nurses or the doctors that come in and lecture you about X, Y, and Z. And then on your way out, you see them out the back door smoking a cigarette. I literally wrote about that in in my book. Yeah. (laughs) That disconnect of like, how could you be a doctor and make these choices? But it's funny, my therapist, that's one of the things that part of my sort of evening myself out and not being so hyper and and intense about everything that was going on in people's lives and taking it all in as like, this was before I really had boundaries with myself. You know, I was just really taking a lot on because of the emotional intelligence and not knowing how to not internalize it. But there was an experience where I was with my therapist and I was telling her just how frustrated I was. Like, how is this person the head of communications? And they literally don't communicate with us. Like I just was just going off and she just started to laugh. And she was like, Oh, Mary Beth, you think that people actually do the things that align with their values. Like that's what you, that's your assumption because that's your personal baseline. Right. So 
what you need to recognize is that's like so rare that people actually go into the work that's an, like an expression of their heart and soul, right? There's so few people who live the work that they are preaching. And it was a wake up call to me in that moment. I was, I was pretty young at the time and I just, it helped me a lot in shifting my energy to frustration, to curiosity and mm-hmm. moving into this like, okay, well, you know, they're where they are in their journey and that's okay. That's okay. I love what you just said too, the shifting from frustration to curiosity, because I think that when we're curious, we're much more open and the frustration is is really close. Like you can't solve problems from frustration where when you start opening up and asking questions because you're curious, then you can solve problems. You can be more loving. You can connect with people in a different way without judgment. Yes. Something I say all the time is curiosity is the cure to all frustration. Mm -hmm. It really is that simple, but it's training yourself to move into a place of curiosity. That's where mindfulness is so powerful because even if you go to frustration, it's like, Oh, okay. I caught it. Now. What can I be curious about? Yeah. Why is mindfulness so important as a leader? everything we just talked about, right? So mindfulness is the act of being able to investigate the present moment with curiosity. So this is a perfect little segue to this curious because when we're mindful, we're able to be here in the present. When we're suffering, it's typically because we are thinking about what we have to do in the future or ruminating on what did or didn't happen in the past. And so it's all about taking us out of the present moment as a way to create pain and suffering in our lives. And this is unfortunately for part of just being human. This is the part of the human experience. This is a part of how we were designed to help ourselves to stay safe, but that has, is not really serving us in the same ways as it was many, 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 many years ago. Yeah. So this is, it's so key for us as, as human beings today, when there's so much, such so many accessible tools around mindfulness, it's amazing. I highly recommend insight timer. It's a free app. I'm, I happen to be a teacher on that app, but there are 20 million users from around the world. And there are tens of thousands of free guided practices and workshops and tools that you can learn how to start to access some of these in your own life, these skills, because it really starts with this ability to notice our mind taking us somewhere else that's not serving us and making a new choice Mm -hmm. to start to observe it, to start to get curious about it and to separate our emotions from it in a way that we can still feel our emotions, but not react and respond from our emotions. But again, using it as a tool for curiosity. So gosh, why is this important as a leader? Can you imagine how much healthier we would all be if (laughs) we were working with people who knew how to pause and observe themselves and situations and then make choices from a place of being grounded and not from reacting? I do know that this is so much more awareness. There's so much more interest and there are so many more opportunities for people to start these journeys in mindfulness because ultimately the research also shows that in addition to reducing things like stress and insomnia and 
um, hospitalizations and absenteeism. It also increases things like your awareness, your productivity, your connections, your relationship, your energy levels, <laughs> right? So it's just scientifically proven to have a massive impact on our individual bodies, you know, and well-being in our abilities to be our best as leaders within our own lives and within our organizations. Yeah. I just finished reading The Power of Now by Eckhart Tolle. Ah, that's my favorite I'm a little, time. <laughs> I'm a little late to the game. I don't know why I had not read that book before. I've read many, many other mindfulness self-help books, but it really resonated with me with, he was saying how not present we are. We're either what you said, either in the future or in the past, and you can't change either one of them. And we're missing all of this beauty and amazingness in the present. And I've been playing this game with myself where... I'm just like, look, I'm making dinner right now and I'm cutting, you know, broccoli and I'm doing this and it's green. And I mean, it sounds kind of silly and it makes me laugh, but it's really great. It's helping me stay one focused on one task, which is carrying over to other things. But I think if we were all more present like that, maybe not having the little sing-songy voice I have in my head as I'm cutting the broccoli, but there's so many conversations we have where we're not really listening. And then things get said that aren't really meant and then misinterpreted by the other person that are taken out of context, particularly if you're emailing or texting or anything other than using your voice. And I think so many problems can be either eliminated or shortened by playing with that mindfulness. And totally. Yeah. So no, I, I was just going to say, I, I literally, when I was talking about the the suffering, pain and suffering, I learned that from Eckhart Tolle, A New Earth. Yeah. So everything that you just said, I was like, ah. And I just started rereading it this weekend. And you're the second person to say this to me in the last two days. So it's like, this is good, big energy around a new earth because it really is one of those books that I was overwhelmed from a place of like, oh my gosh, this is all of us. This is what this means. This is what it is when it's happening. Like I just felt so it was like I was normal. Even all the things that I had been suffering with were normalized in a way that was like, oh yeah, we all do that. Now do this instead, right? Or try this tip, yeah. try this technique. And it's so powerful. I highly recommend if you haven't listened to it, Oprah and Eckhart have a 10 part podcast series that is a book club with each chapter of the book. Oh, cool. So it takes it even deeper into yeah. being able to hear other people's questions and whatnot. But yeah, I love this as a concept. I, I truly know it's what we're meant to do. We're meant to experience life in the now. We're not meant to work. What you were saying earlier about like not working as much. My husband and I are literally, we live in Baltimore city right now and we're moving to a tiny home off the grid in Idaho and opening a boutique retreat center in our, that's our vision. And so it's like that, what you said, it was like, yep, all of that. And there's no way we can do that without mindfulness. Like there's no yeah. way because it's just too scary, too big, too overwhelming, too far out there from what's like normal and what we know to just surrendering to like how beautiful it is in the present moment. Mm -hmm. Oh yeah. I can just feel it. That's amazing. I'm curious to shifting gears a little bit. Oh, I really want to stay in that vision. I've never been to Idaho, but I'm sure it's beautiful. What do you see happening when teams or even whole organizations start embracing core values and living them? Let me add that too. It's across the board. 
what it is. So I see it so much in on the interpersonal level of people saying things like me and this person never got along before. And now I know it's just because we had so many of the same shared values and we were butting up against each other because we were so powerful and strong about that. But now that we've realized like we actually want the same thing, mm-hmm. things are coming together. So, you know, I'm, I hear those kinds of qualitative stories all the time of people feeling like they had purpose, connection, a sense of belonging, a sense of aliveness as a result of feeling heard and like what intrinsically motivates them actually matters and is going to be used as a way that they're measured and held accountable. And then from a more of sort of the quantitative side of things, this is actually one of the things I'm, I'm super proud of and also like not because it wasn't even a thing. It's kind of like the emotional intelligence thing. Everyone is talking about like how to get good talent and how to retain talent. Every single one of the companies that I have worked with on values work has never once approached me with that because they're not having an issue. It's just not a thing. It's just not even a thing. And so it's funny because I've had to tell them that I had to like, let them know. I'm like, you do know that this is like extremely rare that you're not having an issue with turnover and hiring. Like this is very, and so I work with like a lot of hospitals and a lot of um, education systems and foundations. And this one foundation head said to me, I just went to a national conference of foundations and everyone was talking about how to hire and retain people. And I didn't even understand what was going on because that didn't apply to us at all. And right. It's a lot of factors, but obviously one of the biggest ones is that people are just deeply connected and valued and seen and, and have this uniting force to, mm-hmm. to bring them together when things get hard, especially. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, my experience is when you're hiring for characteristics over skills and, and core values or values in general being part of those characteristics, you're going to hire better people more frequently the first time. Totally. Totally. And that is so important. I think that it's unfair, unkind, and just inappropriate to not bring your values to the table in that process of hiring someone. If you have stated values, they must be a part of the experience. If you actually care to hold someone accountable to them, right? If you don't care about them, then, then that's not the same conversation. But if you want them to be operationalized, you can't bring someone onto the team and then say, Oh, by the way, these are our values that we expect you to embody. Like they have to know what that is and have the opportunity to have an inner dialogue with themselves and also have an outer dialogue with whoever's a part of the process of like, what does that mean for you? What, what does this value mean to you? And are you motivated by that? What does that look like for you? Where have you had a stumbling block in that area, right? These kinds of questions are not difficult, but it's just a matter of prioritizing them into the conversation so that folks understand this isn't just a poster. It's a, something that we really care about. And we're going to be intentional about bringing folks onto the team who are intrinsically motivated by the same things. Yeah. Awesome. Awesome. For somebody who's listening and they kind of know what core values are, but they aren't sure how about a how to identify theirs, where could they get started? There are so many ways. There's two sort of exercises that I recommend. And one is more of like a little self-discovery. It would be a little mindfulness activity that you could do over a week, or you can figure out how much time you want to spend, but really writing down in real time, what is draining you and what's filling you up. So Maybe you want to wait until the end of the week or until the end of a month. You can decide, but you can just really list it all out 
And so when you see the things that are filling you up, these are experiences, people, whatever it is that you're writing there that are a reflection of your values. Always Mm -hmm. the things that light you up are a reflection of your values and the things that are draining you are typically a violation of your values or they're just values that don't resonate with you. So for example, I could go to the exact same event as dear friend and I could think it was the worst thing and they could think it was the best thing because it's activating their values and it's not activating mine. And that again, just like before, it's not right or wrong, but it's Mm -hmm. a matter of understanding. So what are these real life experiences where my values are being activated or not? And for folks who are looking for support with the words, like what are the actual words of values, right? Like how do I do that? I have them all listed, not all of them. I have based on the Schwartz value scale listed in the book where people can actually do a process of manually doing that, but also on our website, sparkvisionnow.com. We have a free values self-assessment that you can take 24 seven and it'll get emailed to you right away. And you get a profile that'll tell you it's a bunch of values that are listed. And then you just rank them based on your experience with that individual value. And then it generates a report that says, okay, these are my core values, the things that drive me. These are my aspirational values, the things I wish Mm -hmm. drove me. These are values that don't resonate with me. And these are just values, meaning they describe me, but they're not motivating me. So it's really, it's really quite robust. This was, this is, it's super exciting. We just started to offer this to the community. It used to only be something Uh people had when they came to our retreats or some kind of a live experience together. And like, thank you, technology. We've now figured out how to do this because this is like the biggest question that I get all the time is where do I start? Right. How do I know what to do? And a lot of the times it's really just like, okay, not only do I need support with figuring out the words, but now I need to figure out how that's connected to my life experiences so that it's Mm -hmm. a part of the living of them. Not just like, Oh, that's cool to know that connection and authenticity drive me like, okay, well, let's go a little deeper and figure out like, well, where did that come from? Who in your life ignited in that in you? Yeah. Where does that show up for you now? Where is that missing now? Those kinds of things, which is uh, there's obviously quite a depth that can go into your values. That's why I love this work so much is that it's limitless. There's so much potential and possibility of the nooks and crannies and areas of life where you can really be thoughtful and mindful around are, am I really living my values in this moment? Where are they and where aren't they? Yeah. Well, first of all, that sounds like so much fun. So I'm going to have to sign up and do the whole exercise because I nerd out on that stuff. Yeah. We were looking up when I did it with the kids, we were looking up like definitions. We got stuck on logic and I don't remember what word we chose now, but my older guy wanted logic. And I think we decided on like thinking through or something because he was the only one that wanted that. And he was like really tied to it. (laughs) Maybe logic could be part of the description of the word. I don't remember. We were very clear. So it was a lot that. of fun, but he's the more strategic. I mean, he plays, you know, chess at a high level. As soon as you said logic, I knew that. Yeah. <laughs> I love and that. the rest of us were all creative, artsy people. So. I, love that. I love that. Well, we need that balance, right? We need that yeah, balance. Yeah. Well, and he covers everybody. So. <laughs> But I love that you're offering that to people too, because it's, well, for me, a fun exercise, but I think it's so, we don't think about this stuff enough, right? We don't think about what do we want and how do I get there? And what does that look like? How do I want to feel like the emotion piece behind it? Yeah. It's really, really powerful. I mentioned Insight Timer earlier. I actually have a 10 day audio course on there called Knowing and Living Your Values. And so it's 15 minutes a day for 10 days. It's literally about that guiding you through 
through that process of uncovering the words, figuring out your definitions, honoring where they came from in your life, and then creating what I call value promises, which are what are what are the commitments now that I'm going to make to mm-hmm. align with these the values. So there's so many opportunities depending on the depth in which people want to go, but it's it's well worth it to take the values profile and see what it triggers and what it ignites and, and maybe even sparks a new possibility of, oh, that's yeah. a, a fun exercise I could go down. I mean, you and I obviously share a lot of the same values because I consider that to be very fun also. <laughs> yeah, I like all of those things. Like they... And even the personality tests like StrengthsFinder and Colby and DISC and all of that stuff, like I love taking them and comparing and contrasting how each of them interacts. But that's a story for another day. Where can people get the book Permission to Be Human? It's on all major retailers. So you can get it, you know, Target, Barnes & Noble, all those places. Obviously, Amazon is probably the one people are most familiar with. And I'm super, super excited that the audio book is out now. So that just came out and we have it in the ebook too. So it's been fun to see people all over the world really enjoying oh, cool. it, taking it in. Yeah. Cool. So do you narrate the audio book? I sure do. I awesome. sure do. I have, I have, I do so many guided meditations and practices in my work, whether it's recorded and uploaded to Insight Timer or something that's live, that it's funny when people are asking if I I was going to do it. I'm like, I couldn't not do it. <laughs> and I'll tell you this fun fact, if, particularly if you have any listeners who are thinking about creating an audiobook, I was looking everywhere for a studio for to record it in. And I, it was just very difficult for whatever reason during this crazy time. And then I found out that our local library has a free studio, audio studio, Shout out to the Enoch Pratt Library here in Baltimore for anybody to be able to come in and rent studio space. So there's so many awesome resources. That is so cool. Yeah. I mean, it was just like, whoa, I wasn't expecting that. So I'm I'm very excited to make a big donation of books to them as a thank you for the energy, you know, reciprocity and that that energy because it's such a gift. I mean, it's amazing what we have access to that we don't realize. Cool. And then you host a monthly mindful leadership session. I sure do. Yes. Can you tell me about that? Uh, yes, it's the first Tuesday of every month. And so it's the 1230. It's 45 minutes. This is Eastern Standard Time located here in Baltimore. It's over Zoom. And so folks can sign up through our website, which is sparkvisionnow.com slash events. That's where you can find all of them for the year. But again, it's the first Tuesday of every month at the same time for 45 minutes purposefully to really have a intentional, it's like we spend 15 minutes of really helping people understand the science behind mindfulness and mindful leadership. And then we spend 15 minutes in a practice. So a guided practice, actually doing something where you're going to learn a new technique, learn a skill that's specifically around a value, a core value. So we do a different core value each month. And then we have 15 minutes of connecting with each other in a, in a bigger community around shared experience and, and recognizing like, I'm not the only one, right? What, like what new, what a new earth did for me when I read that book of like, Oh, everybody's having this struggle or, Oh, maybe that's a way I could look at this differently. And so we do that really intentionally as a result of just so many people having the need and the desire and the interest and not knowing where to start. And so it's really meant for people of all levels, whether you've never done anything like this before, or you practice regularly um, to be able to meet you where you are and have a meaningful 45 minutes of reducing stress, grounding in your values and being able to move forward with a new mindfulness skill that you can take with you. 
I love it. I love it. And people could register for that on the website, right? Absolutely. Yep. And on our, and our events page, it's all okay. there. That sounds like fun too. I know. I was like, maybe you want to come next month. <laughs> <laughs> I bet you'd love it. I'm sure that I would. <laughs> It's been divine. It's been divine. I mean, truly before I was doing this kind of work, I would be really, really like, Oh, it's so great. When 30, 30 or 35 people come, we have like two, 300 people signing up every month. And we just started, we've only been doing this for a few months. So there's a lot of positive momentum around this framework and people really resonating with them. And the other thing that I always encourage is that a lot of people say, I, you know, my, I don't have a budget for that for my team. You're invited to bring your entire team. You can bring 40 people with you. If that's what is going to be meaningful for you. I don't want people to have any reason or any barrier for them to be able to have access to this and to be able to say, Hey team, we're always going to do this the first Tuesday of the month or whatever it may be. And it's just been super rewarding to see teams coming back, doing that over and over again, particularly teams where there isn't a budget for that. Right. And that, that wouldn't happen otherwise. Um, but for others, it's been so beautiful to see the openings it's then created for the larger organization because just a couple people came and were like, Hey, we need this. So it's very amazing. That's a, so amazing. I love it. I love it. We have to wrap up with, I could talk to you all day. <laughs> Agreed. This was just too good. It is so much yeah. more to say. Yeah. Where can everybody find you? What's the best place for them to connect with you? I am super active on LinkedIn. So the best way to connect with me on a personal level would be to connect there. And then of course I, we have our website where you could reach out and learn more about what's going on at sparkvisionnow.com. Awesome. Mary Beth, thank you so much for being here today and sharing all of your brilliant wisdom. Oh, thank you so much for receiving me and for the invitation to be a part of this awesome community that you've created. Thank you. And for everybody who's listening, we will see you next week. Thank you so much for being a listener of the Tribe of Leaders podcast. I am so grateful for each and every episode that you tune in and listen to. And I hope that you get a ton of value that you can implement starting today. I do have just a quick favor. If you wouldn't mind hopping on to wherever it is that you listen to podcasts and leave us a rating and review, it would help us tremendously so that the Tribe of Leaders podcast can be found more easily and help inspire other entrepreneurial leaders. 